Hey guys, and welcome to the Holmes Politicast. This is Jim. Uh, I have a couple things that uh, I'd like to talk about uh, this past week, like defunding the police and what I call style over substance as far as uh, political movements and things. But I wanted to get to a couple of news stories here right away. The first one is from The Blaze. Uh, it's a more conservative website. Or, uh, used to be a TV station. I don't know if it still is, but it was run by Glenn Beck. And, um, but here, the headline reads, Governor Whitmer, who condemned lockdown protests, breaks her own rules during March in Detroit. And here's the article. It says, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer flouted her own executive order mandating social distancing during a March protesting the death of George Floyd on Thursday after months of condemning fellow Michiganders who demonstrated against her strict coronavirus lockdown. Here are the details. Whitmer joined a march in Highland Park and Detroit just days after loosening her restrictions on the number of people allowed to gather outside amid nationwide protests, but broke the rules she still kept in place, requiring individuals to socially distance from others outside of their household. The Democrat was filmed during the photo opportunity, leaning on her fellow demonstrators and removing her mask to speak to the cameras in violation of the guidelines she insisted on maintaining for her state amid the continued presence of COVID-19. The Detroit News noted that the crowd appeared to violate social distancing rules, and it reported, quote, Whitmer spokesman Tiffany Brown denied the governor had violated her own executive order issued Monday that says people should remain six feet apart if participating in public gatherings. Contrary to the administration's own guidance posted online, Brown said the Unity March didn't violate her latest orders because it states nothing in this order shall be taken to abridge protections guaranteed by the state or federal constitution. That includes the right to protest. However, a page of frequently asked questions about the order on the governor's website specifically says persons may engage in expressive activities protected by the First Amendment within the state of Michigan, but must adhere to social distancing measures recommended by the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, including remaining at least six feet apart from persons outside their household. During an appearance on ABC's The View last month, Whitmer said of the demonstrators protesting against her lockdown, Quote, these protests, they do undermine the effort, and it's very clearly a political statement that is playing out where people are coming together from across the state. They are congregating. They are not wearing masks. They are not staying six feet apart, and they go back home into communities and, the, and risk perpetuating the spread of COVID-19. So, oh, that's, that's the end of that article. But there is just an example of do as I say, not as I do. Um, it's fine for her to protest, but it's not a right for the rest of us. Um, I was trying to think here. There was, um, I can't remember the source, so, but it was, uh, it had to do with the guidelines about, uh, no more than a hundred people congregating, except 
if you're protesting, which just doesn't make any sense, but I'll try to find the source on that. I, I saw it on Twitter, and I'll have to find it again. But, um, yeah, it's just insane. If you want to protest, it's fine. It, but if you just want to get together, like, with your church or something, well, that's that's horrible. Um, all right. Uh, MLive has a story here that says penalty for violating Governor Whitmer's coronavirus safety guidelines isn't legal, the court rules. Uh, for the first time, a court has ruled against Governor Whitmer in a legal battle, battle over the law, lawfulness, one of her now 115 executive orders issued since the coronavirus pandemic began. The Court of Claims on June 4th deemed a portion of Whitmer's order establishing coronavirus safety guidelines as a prerequisite to the opening of businesses null and void. The contested portion involves the penalty for violating the reopening standards. Prior versions included 90 days in jail or up to $500 fine, the maximum penalty for conviction of a misdemeanor. Whitmer increased the possible penalty of up to $70,000 per infraction by stating the infraction falls within the meaning of the Michigan Occupational Self within the meaning of the Michigan Occupational Safety and Health Act. The act also allows for a violator to be sent to prison for up to a year and, and up to three years if they are convicted of, of violating the act multiple times. But the court judge ruled penalties under the emergency laws that Whitmer used to create the order are limited to a misdemeanor up to 90 days in jail or a $500 fine. If the infractions were additionally a violation of the OSHA Act, these penalties would have to be issued separately under that law, he said. So this is, uh, it's kind of wordy, and I'm not a big math guy, so when I see a lot of numbers and things, it's hard for me to follow it. I'd have to write it down and kind of make a, a cheat sheet for me. But if you're interested in it, it's in the MLive uh, website. And like I said, it, the headline is just penalty for violating Governor Whitmer's coronavirus safety guidelines isn't legal, the court rules. So you can look that one up. And then this one, also from MLive, uh, this, this one is a petition, a petition language to recall Governor Whitmer approved by the state board. Now, this one's going to be kind of interesting. I'm, I'm interested in following this. The language in a petition to recall Governor Whitmer for the signing of nine of her executive orders has been approved by the Michigan Board of State Canvassers. Albion resident Chad Baz, I think is how you pronounce it, was successful in his third attempt at coming up with clear and factual language to move forward with the recall petition process. He and his group, the Committee to Recall Governor Gretchen Whitmer, must come up with more than 1 million signatures from registered voters in 60 days to trigger a recall election. She didn't put through effective measures with COVID to ensure businesses didn't have to close the doors. Some places couldn't social distance under the federal guidelines, but many businesses could have stayed open with safety guidelines in place and were forced out of work. You can't take away someone's income and say you're eligible for pandemic unemployment, but then you can't speak with anyone. I'm still waiting on my unemployment. They owe me 10 weeks. So the Board of State Canvassers unanimously approved the recall language on June 8th during a virtual meeting. The four-member bipartisan group unanimously approved the language but rejected two other attempts to begin recall petitions. Um, petition language submitted by Boz 
and approved by the board lists out nine executive orders. They include the governor's March 10th declaration and multiple orders that call for the temporary suspension of businesses and activities not deemed essential to maintain or protect life. And then they have the, uh, the opposing side with Whitmer's team calling it just a partisan attack and things here. So I'm not going to get into all that. But again, if you want to see this article, just look at MLive. And they have, oh, they, have, they have quite a few paragraphs on this. I didn't think it would be this long of an article. Um, but it was something that's really interesting. I think it, it certainly would maybe make her stop and think a little bit. Um, they're not, most recall efforts aren't real successful. There have been a few cases, like in California, they recalled the governor, Gray Davis, back in the early 2000s, and that's actually how we got Arnold Schwarzenegger as governor. Or not we, but they got Arnold Schwarzenegger as governor because they recalled the governor that was there. So it does happen, but it's pretty rare. Usually, most people will just say, let's wait it out until the next election, and we'll vote then. But but we'll see how this goes. I mean, there are a lot of people unhappy about what, you know, this is above and beyond. This isn't just partisan, we don't like Whitmer, let's just get rid of her. Um, what she did was actually dangerous. And, you know, so this one actually, this one really could um, go somewhere. So uh, I'm sure I didn't see at the very bottom. I'm sure there's a link if you would like to sign that um, petition. And then I guess it would go on the ballot maybe in November. Yeah, because if it's 60 days, it would have to be on the ballot in November. And then... Um, I don't know how Michigan's provision is. In California, the, the lieutenant governor didn't automatically become governor. They had to have a, a new election. I don't know if Michigan has the same rules. I don't know if the lieutenant governor would then become governor if she was recalled or if we would have to have a, a special election to elect a new governor. I'm not really sure how that would go. But but like I said, it's it's kind of a long shot. But, it's, uh, but I think it would be worth looking into anyway. If I were you, I would look this up. Um, now, in the past week, which, you know, every week seems like a decade these days, uh, there's now this move to defund the police. And I'm not, this, this seems to be a problem with, with the Democrats particularly. Um, I haven't really seen the same problem on Republican side, but it's like the, you give an inch and they take a mile with, um, with the Democrats Everything, they start off with something that's reasonable, and then as time progresses, they want more, and they want more. And if you concede to one thing, it's like, okay, well, that's not enough. Uh, we've seen that with gun control, where they'll say, we just want common sense gun control, background checks. We don't want crazy people to have access to weapons. And the Republicans will say, that sounds pretty reasonable. We'll, we'll accept that. And then they say, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want there to be any guns. You know, they, they will put down a marker. Then you'll say, you know, there's something that sounds relatively reasonable and people will get behind. And then it's like a trap, like a mouse trap. You, you know, the Republicans will reach for it and then they get, they get trapped into this. You know, well, if you're going to go that far, you know, because... You know, if you're willing to do that, then why aren't you willing to do this? And then it puts them on the defensive. And that's what we have here. I mean, it started off just saying, hey, we need a little bit, maybe better training. Maybe we need some accountability on the police force. And most people were like, you know, that 
makes some sense. I mean, you know, maybe maybe we need a little bit of accountability here. You know, maybe we need to retrain the officers or something. We need to do something because, you know, this, this shouldn't happen. Um, you know, and, and I don't think anybody, or at least any sane people arguing that the officer like intentionally killed him or said, we're going to kill this guy. You know, it um, was like a negligent homicide, if anything. You know, it wasn't intentional, but it was a result of his actions. And so most people were like, yeah, okay, maybe we could, maybe we need some better training or maybe we need, you know, you know, better background checks or something. And so then it goes from that to now let's defund the police department. They want to get rid of it. Uh, At least, at least that's the way it sounds. But if you ask them, they'll say, that's not what it means. So I'm not exactly sure you know, it's like uh, believe all women, but then that doesn't actually mean believe all women. It just means believe some women. And it's the same thing. Like they'll say defund the police. And then people say, you want to get rid of the police force? And they say, oh, no, no, no. We don't want to defund the police. We just want to, you know, defund the police. And you're like, what does that mean? Like, well, we want to take money away from the police force so it doesn't have any money, you know, and give that money to other other areas. So you want to defund the police. Oh, no, no, no. We don't want to defund the police. So it's like, I, I'm not exactly sure. I I imagine this is just another one of their tricks to try to keep people from turning against it by trying to code it and like, well, we want to put that money that was in the police force into education or into helping at-risk teenagers or, you know, more drug enforcement or, you know, something like that to make it sound better. But the basis of it is they just want to defund the police. Um, And it's just, it's an insane proposition. Now, I I kind of go both ways. In the city, I mean, you've got to have police. I mean, and and overall, you do have to have a police force overall, because the police do a lot more than just make arrests. Police are a third party, an independent third party, or at least they're supposed to be. And in almost all cases, they are. Like if you're in a car accident, you call the police, they come and they and they collect the information, they talk to all the witnesses, and they determine what they believe happened based on the evidence. They're unpartisan, or not unpartisan, non-biased. Um, and so, you know, they are used uh, by insurance agents and other people to be an unbiased witness. They gather all the evidence and they can say, it looks to us, based on the evidence and the witnesses and all this, that this person was at fault. Um, so they're not just going around arresting people or as... Um, some of the Democrats are claiming they're just not going around hunting down black people and murdering them. You know, they do serve a purpose. Uh, you know, they can, you know, if you, if you go to, if, if I've been robbed, you know, they come and they, and they investigate and they make their, you know, they, number one, they give credibility. So I'm not just yelling out, I, I've been robbed and creating a mob scene. And also, you know, so when I, when a person goes to court, you can use their testimony and say, Based on the evidence, this is what appears to have happened. Again, they're a non-biased third party who can, you know, otherwise I just get all of my friends to defend me and say, yeah, yeah, we, we take his word for it. He was robbed. You know, they're unbiased and they can come forward and give their account. Um, and they have uh, legal authority to ask questions. And uh, and they also have uh, a certain... Um, uh, just, just by them being there, people are going to answer questions where if I went around going door to door and saying, hey, there was a shooting down the road, I want information, 
a lot of people would just shut their door and be like, it's none of your business, stay out of it. But if the police officer comes to your door, even though, you know, they don't have any authority to like break your door down and come in, but most people will accept that. If someone, if a, if a police officer comes to their door and says, hey, you know, there was a shooting down the road, we want to know, did you hear anything, did anything happen? Most people will comply and say, yeah, uh, let me tell you what I know. Um, so the police offer, even in the country, they offer a, uh, uh, an invaluable service. But in the city especially, because you don't have, because people are so close together, uh, lots of times there are, a lot, there are tensions, there are going to be more accidents, you're going to have businesses and other things that the police help also protect. Because, you know, an owner of a business, if you own, uh, you know, a jewelry shop, you're not going to sit there every night with a gun inside your business in case somebody breaks in. So you have police who patrol the area just to make sure that your businesses are safe and things. And so there's a lot of services the police provide. And the idea of just getting rid of the police force is just pretty asinine. I mean, it, it, and I don't know how that would solve a problem of racism anyway, if that is what they're concerned about. It's not going to, it's not going to alleviate any problem. I, I don't know. I, this is more of a new thing in the last couple of days about the defunding the police. And I don't know, in Minneapolis, I, I, I just heard just a little bit of information about how they're going to disband the police force, which doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm not sure if I got that right or exactly how that would even work. But, you know, I mean, it just seems we don't want to go back to the old west of vigilante justice where everyone, I mean, I don't have a problem with people carrying guns, but I mean, you know, we don't want to go back to the old west where there's shootouts in the middle of the street, you know, between people and, and everybody, you know, just taking the law into their own hands. So I, I don't know what that is going to entail. I'm going to have to do more research on that and maybe next week we'll talk about it. I don't know, because who knows, next week there could be even bigger things. Um, you know, and during the week, like, I'll, I'll favorite things um, on my Twitter and on Facebook, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll favorite them or, or, you know, so I can read them later and use them on the show. And then, like, this morning I went through my list and I'm like, well, this is old news now. This is old news. I mean, because so much has happened since then. In just the past week, I'm like, well, I mean, this... It's an interesting story, but, you know, that was, you know, it seems like 10 years ago, and I don't really know what the point of bringing that up is when there's some more pressing things. So who knows? Like, I'll, I'll look into it, but I don't know if it will be worth talking about next week because there may be even a bigger issue going on. And this, uh, the, the idea, I guess, I guess in some ways, the idea of defunding the police goes into my second point, and that is style over substance. And what I mean by that is, it seems like there's been a trend. Uh, I mean, we've had, let me finish this. It seems like there's been a trend of people or politicians making, um, doing things for photo ops and things like this, which really don't solve anything. It's just the style over substance of actually doing something that could be productive and make a difference. They want to just give uh, lip service to it or, or do some ridiculous photo op. I mean, we've had photo ops for a while. I think, I think the first president that really used them highly was Richard Nixon. So they've been around since the 70s, these photo opportunities where 
the press isn't really there to ask questions. They're just there to take pictures for the newspaper or for the television. And that's all they're doing is the, the politician is just performing for the cameras, you know, to look like something, you know, um, and this isn't, this is just an example, although it's not a, it's not an example of style over substance, but it's just an example of what I'm talking about. For example, like every year on Memorial Day, the president will lay a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier. That is what they would call a photo op. It's not, it, there's nothing wrong with it, but I mean, the idea is just to be seen putting it there. It looks nice. It looks presidential. It looks reverent. The president doesn't answer questions. There's no, there's nothing that's going to happen there except they call the press there just to take photos and get pictures of the president doing something that looks really nice or putting a, you know, a flag on a, a, a grave site, um, you know. Um, but Clinton really, Bill Clinton really started the style over substance movement where he turned the photo ops into um, just ridiculous. Uh, when he was at, for the D-Day Memorial, I think it may have been the 50th anniversary of D-Day or something, he was over there and he, and his aides put down all of these stones on the beach of uh, Normandy. I mean, like little pebbles and stuff so that when Bill Clinton showed up, he could walk over and write out um, something like hope or freedom or something with the rocks, you know, and the camera got him and they were all talking about, oh, how wonderful it was that he, you know, just how sweet he saw these rocks and decided to write out a message of hope or something. And it's like, you know, it was just so phony. And they put the rocks there for specifically for him to do this. It wasn't some spontaneous event, but it was for the cameras. So it would look, it would look good on the nightly news of him doing this. And so presidents have been doing this for about 20 years, really, uh, uh, particularly Democrat. I mean, I'm sure George W. Bush did some of that too, but, but Bill Clinton and Barack Obama have been really, were really bad about it. And what, what made me think about it with this style of our substance is yesterday, I think it was, that uh, there was a picture that I saw that was just all over my Twitter feed, um, some attacking it, some praising it, of Nancy Pelosi leading the Democrats. They all kneeled in the statuary hall or something, all the Democrats with their little masks and scarves, and they kneeled on the floor of the Capitol for eight minutes and 46 seconds in honor of George Floyd, and I thought, this is just so incredibly stupid. Like, what did that accomplish? What did they think they were doing by kneeling there? Well, obviously, it was just for the cameras so that it would look good, and, you know, and they could run on, you know, see, we understand, you know. I would imagine, you know, using it against the Republicans, that unlike the Republicans, we empathize with what you're going through. We're, we're kneeling here, and then in Washington, D.C., and this is just, uh, there's just a myriad of examples here. In Washington, D.C., they named, they wrote out in big yellow letters uh, on the street in front of the White House, Black Lives Matter, all in capitals. And I thought, what did, what did that accomplish? What, what were you hoping to do with it? You know, why didn't you use that money for something that actually could, could help somebody or do something? Instead, you wasted a bunch of money writing out Black Lives Matter on, uh, on the street. Like, how is that going to help anything? Do you think the protests are going to stop now? Because, oh, wow, racism is over. They wrote Black Lives Matter on the, uh, on the, on the street. Uh, You know, it's just style over substance. And more than, well, one of two things are going to end up happening. Either the government's going to overreact because of this and do something crazy like 
defunding the police or breaking up the police departments or, or handcuffing police officers, you know, passing laws to make it almost impossible for them to do their job, or they'll do nothing. It's going to be one of the two. They'll, this will all pass over and they kneeled and they wrote Black Lives Matter on the sidewalk and everyone will be, oh, okay, well, it's all over now. We'll move on. You know, we did our part. Uh, and it, oh, and then uh, another thing that just really, this really annoyed me. Uh, in many streets around the country, you had white people renouncing their white privilege, kneeling down and, and begging forgiveness from the protesters and because of their white privilege and these things. And I thought, this is just the dumbest things I've ever seen. They're accomplishing nothing. Nothing is happening. If they really, you know, again, I, I don't agree with what a lot of the Democrats are trying to accomplish or are going to accomplish, but my point is if you're going to do something, then do something. Instead of these kneeling for eight minutes and 46 seconds, that, that doesn't solve the problem. If there's indeed a problem, that didn't solve anything. You know, it's like, if Abraham Lincoln in you know, 1863 had decided, rather than sign the Emancipation Proclamation, let me get my photo taken with some chains around my arms, you know, so I've empathized with, with the slaves. And that's all I'm going to do. I've done my part now. Let's end the Civil War because I got my pictures taken wearing some chains just like a, a slave would do. What would that have accomplished? It didn't do anything. You know, it took action. You had to do something. To free the slaves you couldn't just write in the sand slavery is evil and you know and get pictures taken you know standing at a slave auction or something and you know or bowing your head at you know the place where john brown you know tried to start the slave revolt you know those things wouldn't have done anything they would have been just style just something to, for the cameras it wouldn't have actually helped the slaves at all by talking about it or doing these meaningless photo opportunities. And that's what I mean. Um, if they were really sincere about wanting to do something, kneeling for eight minutes and 46 seconds didn't accomplish anything. It might have made them feel like they did some brave act, you know, but, you know, or, or painting Black Lives Matter on the, on the road or a white person asking forgiveness from the black people for their white privilege and things. They didn't, they didn't do anything. And if, if it is true, if, if what these protesters are protesting for is true and they really believe it's true or I guess I should say even if they really believe it's true they're not going to suddenly feel like anything happened because Nancy Pelosi kneeled for eight minutes or because you wrote the Black Lives Matter that it's not going to solve the problem that they perceive whether real or not in their life it's not going to make a difference to them that you did this and that and I, I've seen it spill over a little bit. Uh, well, we saw, it, we saw it during the Obama years. You know, when he won the Nobel Peace Prize, early on in his presidency, I mean, he hadn't even really had time to do anything. But Barack Obama, whether or not you agree with the wars overseas, Barack Obama promised to end those wars. He promised to shut down Guantanamo. He promised he was going to do all these things on climate change. He promised all these things. Now, some of them I don't agree with, but... My point is, he promised all these things. He got into office. He didn't end any of the wars. In fact, he brought us into war in Libya. He went into Pakistan and Yemen. Uh, and somehow we were in Africa. I don't even know what we were doing in Africa, but suddenly there was a lot of news because 
two service members were killed in Africa and one of their bodies was left there and there was a big thing and, and myself included who, who follows politics pretty regularly was like, I didn't even know we had troops in Africa. What's going on there? I mean, it was like some secret war that Obama was waging over there. Uh, you know, he was drone striking people. Hundreds, if not thousands of innocent people were killed in his drone strikes in an attempt to kill one alleged terrorist. We don't even know if they were because we, they didn't, we never brought him in. We just blew up a building because we heard he might be in there. You know, in a building full of innocent people, they killed, they blew up weddings, they blew up funerals, they, you know, he was, but they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize because he, you know, he went to Egypt and he spoke to the Muslim people and told them that we were sorry as a nation for, for persecuting them and things. He was a murderer, cold-blooded. I mean, droning innocent people is murder. But he gets the Nobel Peace Prize because he gave a speech, um, Democrats hail him as being a great man and a great president, even though the only thing he really accomplished during his entire term was the Affordable Care Act, which pretty much was a disaster. Even Obama wasn't happy with, with the finished product. But that was the only thing he accomplished. But they hail him, oh, you know, for all the things he did on climate change and all the things he did about these other things. And I've asked Democrats, well, what did he, well, he didn't really do anything about climate change. He didn't really do anything about Guantanamo. Well, he wanted to, but the Republicans wouldn't let him. Like, well, then, you know, but they, but they want to give him credit because, well, he tried to do something. He wanted to do something. It's not his fault that he couldn't. I'm like, that, that's not how you, you judge success. It's not based on what you wanted to do or what you tried to do. Uh, you know, success is brought about by actual actions. You know, like, I would love to end a war, you know. Um, I'd love to end the war, too. Should I get the Nobel Peace Prize because I'd like to end the war? Well, I, I can't do it, and I'm not, I have no ability to do it, but I want to. So does that make me a hero in the eyes of the world because I want to bring about peace in the world? No. And it's the same thing. Obama, if you take him at his word, wanted to bring peace to the world. He didn't do it, but they give him credit. And that's what I'm saying about the style over substance. It seems like we're giving people uh, participation trophies or, you know, just for trying, you tried, so you're going to, and I guess that's kind of what the participation trophy is, you know, you run a race, you come in second, third, fourth, you come in last, but you'll still get an award because you tried. And we're seeing that now among the Democrats, that if they try, that's all matters, or maybe if they don't even try, but if they give lip service to it, like we said, the kneeling, which just really, that just really bothers me. I, I, I won't talk about it anymore, but that just really annoys me. They kneeled, so therefore they should get an award for caring. At least we cared. You know, Donald Trump's just tweeting. We actually kneeled, so therefore we should get more points than he does. Um, you know, I, 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 I start, you know, earlier on in the week, I didn't think anything would end up happening. I worry now that there's going to be an overreaction, but... I don't know. It's it's hard to say what's going to end up happening with this because the protests are still continuing. As far as I know, there hasn't been much looting and arson. Uh, there may be some isolated instances of that, but it's not as bad as it was. But there's still massive protests um, all over the country. And I don't know. I don't. I mean, I mean, obviously, if it's a peaceful protest, there's nothing wrong with it. But I just don't know what the end game is. There doesn't seem to be any clear-cut 
thing anymore that they're protesting. I mean, you know, at first they're protesting um, the police department in Minneapolis, but he was arrested. The police officer arrested. So were so were the people who were with him. Uh, he hasn't gone to trial yet, but justice is being served at this point, um, and presumably will be served. Uh, I don't know what the protests are about now. Like, you know, I could understand it. If, if he had gotten off, if the police had said, oh, we don't see any evidence of it, and, you know, and they say, well, there's a video. And they say, ah, we don't really see anything. Um, I can understand maybe they're being protested then, saying, hey, justice needs to be served. Let's do something. But at this point, justice is being served. The wheels of justice are turning. You know, um, he just, that uh, Chauvin, I think his, name, his last name is, uh, he went up for bail hearing yesterday, and they set his bail at like $1.2 million or something. Um, you know, justice is turning. It's not, he's not getting away scot-free. He's not, you know, they're not making it easy for him, making his bail like a hundred bucks or something. You know, they're, they're treating him like, like they would any, any criminal. So I don't understand what the protests are still about. Like, I don't know what the end game is. Like in the sixties when Martin Luther King protested, when he led those nonviolent protests, there was a reason, like, you know, he wanted the boy, the buses to be desegregated or you know, he wanted, um, you know, some of the protests were about the sanitation workers and, you know, they weren't all about just civil rights, but there was a point. He, there, was, there was something they were saying, we want action on this area. Right now, I don't know what exactly they're um, protesting for anymore. And that is why I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen and how this is going to end, because at what, at what point are they going to say, okay, we're done? We're done protesting. We got what we wanted. It almost seems like it's just going to keep morphing. Like it went from the original George Floyd uh, death, then to defunding the police, then to whatever else. I mean, it could, you know, um, and if, and if Donald Trump is reelected in November, I have no doubt that we will see civil unrest. And I'm not talking about obviously by Republicans. Um, I think there'll be a lot of people who will take to the streets. You know, we had the Women's March right after Trump got elected, or Trump got inaugurated, which again was ridiculous. I have no idea what that was about. Um, but so I, I don't know. I, and I, I worry that, that maybe they're going to try to keep these protests going, maybe until November. Maybe that's the idea, is just to create civil unrest, just protesting... Everything in general, everything about the Republicans, everything about Trump, you know, and just keep the protests going. But I don't know. I'm not sure what the what the point of it all is, and where it's going to end. It 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 just doesn't look. It just looks like we're so polarized. I'm just not sure what is going to happen over the over the next hundred and forty some days. I can't remember exactly. Uh, earlier this or late last week, there was a thing that said it was 150 days until the election, so it's presumably less now. I don't know how much less, but but anyway, we got about 100, and, we'll just say 140 days until the election, approximately. It's not really that long, and it's, it's going to be a crazy, crazy few months here. Uh, again, I'm seeing more lies, um, about Trump, and they're just going to get worse and worse. You know, they they said last week 
that Trump claimed that he would be, that George Floyd would be so happy to look down from heaven and see how great the jobs numbers are and how great Trump's doing on the economy, which created this fierce backlash. And then, of course, as usual, when you actually saw the videotape of what he said, he was not talking about his economy at all. That was something he talked about later. When he talked about the George Floyd, he was talking about justice. He was talking about seeing people who are taking their beliefs, and not, not the looting and the arson, but taking their beliefs and putting them into action, and how George Floyd would be very proud to see how people are trying to use his death for something positive. And then later talked about the positive job numbers and these things, and they conflated the two and made it sound like he was turning you know, that George Floyd would be so happy with Donald Trump and what he did with the economy. And, and then the other day, this isn't about him lying, but the other day uh, the reporters were met on the, on the Rose Garden and Jim Acosta of CNN, that lunatic, um, had pictures of the seats showing how close they were and, and you know, I can't believe the president's going to force us into a dangerous situation having to sit next to each other. And, you know, they made a big deal about, about how Trump wasn't following the social distancing guidelines. And, and I, I saw this one, this one man on Twitter who responded, you know, they were like, they were just really small seats. I mean, they weren't, they weren't pinned down or anything. It's like, you know, if you're that concerned, move the seat. You know, if you don't want to sit that close, move the seat. But they weren't willing to do that. They, they weren't going to move the seats. Obviously, they weren't that concerned about their health. But, you know, they wanted to turn it into a big to-do. And this is, again, this is just the media is now, I mean, not that they've been great all along, but they've become increasingly unhinged. And I, I think it is a, an attempt to just turn people against Trump, especially in a time of division, like with this... Uh, we're so polarized with this George Floyd thing by, you know, trying to play on black people's emotions that Trump is using George Floyd, who will just will use the term martyr, you know, that he's the martyr for these people that, you know, and say that he's trying to turn it around to, for, for him, you know, hoping that maybe either this would inflame them into more protests or maybe it would, you know, they'd turn violent. I mean, we know at the White House they have to have a couple of new barricades. I mean, the White House has had a fence around it since I think the days of FDR after in World War II. But now um, they have to have more uh, barricades. Uh, and at one point, Bill Barr, the Attorney General, said that uh, the Secret Service had recommended that Trump and his family go down to the bunker because they were concerned about about their safety. And it wasn't like a major concern. Like it wasn't like they were crawling over the fence, but. They just said maybe it would be a good idea because we don't know what's going to happen. There were all these people gathering around the White House and just out of an abundance of caution. My, my point with that is that that might be what they're trying to foment is maybe more than civil disobedience that maybe people will start crawling over the White House fence and just out of anger. I don't know what their motivation is, but there there is a reason why in these few months leading up to the election, they are going wild with these accusations. They're like every day, I'm hearing something that Trump said or did or allegedly said or did 
And then when I research it, I find out that it's not what happened. If you read the article, and even sometimes the headline will say one thing, but the article will contradict it. Like the headline might say, Trump says all black people should die. And then, you know, you read the article and nowhere in the article does it say anything like that. But I think they know a lot of people just look at the headlines. They don't bother to read the articles. They'll just skim through. And, uh, and so um, I think sometimes that's why they just put out these ridiculous headlines that the article doesn't, um, article doesn't talk about. So anyway, folks, I'm going to go there. Uh, hopefully we'll see you. Hopefully well, we won't see you. I, I keep saying that. Hopefully I'll see you next week. Hopefully you'll listen next week and we'll get together again and talk about some more interesting things going on this, this coming week. And so remember to like, subscribe, comment, and review. And we'll talk to you again real soon. All right, bye.